Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Summer, when you think vacation, think National Lampoon's Vacation. See the real America. Hey, underpants. Hey, yellow. <laughs> it's friendly. I'm okay. I'm okay. Don't you want to look at the Grand Canyon? It's educational. Great. And most of all, it's fun. <laughs> on the picnic basket. Like Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Imogene Coca, Randy Quaid, John Candy, and Christy Brinkley. Well, are you going to go for it? This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. Take you for a ride. This summer, when you think vacation, think National Lampoon's Vacation. Better check under the hood. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie National Lampoon's Vacation from 1983. The studio was Warner Brothers. The release date was July 29, 1983. The running time, 98 minutes, and it was rated R. The budget, $15 million, and the box office took in $61.4 million, making it the 11th-ranked movie of 1983. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 93% fresh from 43 reviews. Their critics' consensus, as always, reads wonky, <laughs> because I don't think they were written to be read out loud. But here it is. Blessed by a brilliantly befuddled star turn from Chevy Chase. Ugh. National Lampoon's Vacation is one of the more consistent and thoroughly quotable screwball comedies of the 1980s. Now, the original Vacation, for me, is one of the funniest movies ever made and easily in my top 10 of favorite films of all time. I watch this movie constantly on VHS as a kid, and even to this day, I never get tired of it. I know exactly what's going to happen, and I still laugh at all the gags like I did as a kid. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So this wasn't the first film under the National Lampoon moniker. There were two other movies that both did poorly at the box office. Class Reunion and Movie Madness. Class Reunion was John Hughes' first film screenplay. But then you have to remember that National Lampoon was a very popular magazine in the mid to late 70s. It also had a radio program. And of course, then they had a smash hit with Animal House. The Vacation script originally began as a short story written by John Hughes called Vacation 58 and is said to have been about Hughes' own family vacation when he was a kid. The story had a great opening sentence of, If Dad hadn't shot Walt Disney in the leg, it would have been our best vacation ever. <laughs> now you can find a reprinting online of this short story and it kind of reads like one of Gene Shepard's short stories who of course was the writer of A Christmas Story. National Lampoon publisher Maddie Simmons thought the story would be a perfect movie to adapt, but the studios weren't jumping to make this film. Jeff Katzenberg, the head of Paramount at the time, thought the script was too episodic and would never work as a film. Warner Brothers producer Mark Canton read the published short story in a magazine and bought the article for a minimal fee, and it was one of the best investments he ever made. 
John Hughes was then hired to turn Vacation 58 into a full screenplay. The next step was to find a director. Ken immediately thought of comedy actor and director Harold Ramis, who had a big hit with Caddyshack three years prior and just loved the Vacation script. Ramis was a real triple threat because he was also a writer. He wrote for National Lampoon and also the sketch comedy TV show SCTV, and that's how he knew Eugene Levy and John Candy, both of whom are in vacation. He also co-wrote the screenplays to Animal House, Meatballs, Caddyshack, and Stripes, and also his film acting debut was in Stripes with Bill Murray. Since Ramis had already worked with Chevy Chase on Caddyshack, he believed Chase would be the perfect actor to star in Vacation. Plus, at the time, Chase was one of the most popular comedic actors in Hollywood. He starred in hit comedies like Foul Play and Caddyshack and Seems Like Old Times. Of course, Chase was also part of the original cast of Saturday Night Live for the debut season. Now, one of the key things that Ramis brought to Vacation, and there were many, was to change up the main point of view of the script, which was originally written from the point of view of the teenager. This makes sense because if you're a fan of John Hughes, he directed some of the greatest teen films of all time. But Ramis thought the focus should be on the adults, most notably the character of Clark Griswold. Another tweak to the original story was that Hughes had the trip going through the south of the United States, which wasn't as interesting plot-wise to Ramis. Ramis decided to take a different route, which had a little more beauty to it, like the Grand Canyon. Clark Griswold was also a different type of role for Chevy Chase, because his prior roles, he was the cool, suave, very dry-witted type of character. Now, as Clark Griswold, he's none of those things. He's a complete dork. At the time, Chase didn't have kids of his own, so he was completely unsure about how to play this role. Hughes and Ramis basically told him to be the type of father that is trying to cram all of the time he's missed with the kids due to his job, do this all in two weeks, and be the world's greatest dad in that short time period, because he's MIA the rest of the time. While finding the lead character was relatively easy, the rest of the casting was not so smooth, and the producers went through hundreds of auditions to find the right cast. Beverly D'Angelo was exactly what they wanted as Ellen, because she was maternal and sexy at the same time, which is always tough to balance. However, D'Angelo initially wasn't interested in the script at all, because she was looking to be a serious actress. But her agent convinced her to audition, and she had an instant chemistry with Chevy Chase. D'Angelo, prior to vacation, was in the original Broadway production of Hair, along with the film adaptation. She was also in Every Which Way But Loose with Quinn Eastwood, Coal Miner's Daughter with Sissy Spacek, Paternity with Burt Reynolds, and High Point with Richard Harris and Christopher Plummer. Next, who was going to play the stunning beauty driving the Ferrari? Today, supermodels seem like an everyday occurrence in the tabloids and, of course, social media, but in the early 80s, they were still relatively a new phenomenon. You had models like Cheryl Teagues and Brooke Shields, but in 1982, the most popular model was Christy Brinkley, and that's who the producers wanted for the role. She was on every magazine cover imaginable at the time. Brinkley's agent called her, asking if she was interested in the film, and she didn't need to be convinced, and it was really as simple as that. And everyone on the crew was enamored with her, as you can imagine. And if you've seen Brinkley 40 years later, that woman does not age. She still looks stunning. However, even though Brinkley is in only about five or six scenes in the film, she was on location with the cast and crew for many weeks during the shooting of the film. And her agents were going crazy because this was at the height of her modeling career. And she was losing jobs in the process of being part of this film. But Brinkley loved all the locations she was part of, as it was almost like a vacation for her going horseback riding or white water rafting and seeing all the beautiful sights. Casting the part of Rusty was difficult because nobody seemed right for the part. 
The producers went to New York for more auditions, and then Anthony Michael Hall was just a natural and read perfectly and had that perfect awkward teenage look. He had braces, which the producers loved and told him that he needed to keep them on for the part. Hall, as we of course know now, would go on to be a John Hughes staple for teen movies in the 1980s. Just like in the film, Anthony Michael Hall and Dana Barron acted like brother and sister off screen, often playfully annoying each other. They had a perfect chemistry that showed up on screen, which made it easy to cast Barron as Audrey. This would be Barron's second film and still her most notable role, though she would be part of the original Beverly Hills 90210 series. Now, who do you cast for the part of Aunt Edna? The casting director kept going through lists of older actresses who you would love to hate. Harold Ramos was a huge fan of the Sid Caesar show, and when Imogene Coca's name came up, he thought she would be great to play Aunt Edna. But there was one catch in hiring Coca. She had a major fear of traveling due to being in a serious car accident years prior. So how do you hire her to be part of a film that's entirely about traveling? So her agent told her, oh, they won't really be traveling. It will be on a back lot of a studio. <laughs> Little did she know. There were hundreds of miles of traveling, essentially a caravan of a set, and it was a logistical nightmare to get all the shots they needed, not to mention the unexpected weather changes. Now keep in mind, Hollywood had always made quote-unquote road films, but most of these films were filmed on a studio lot, not really on location. This is what makes Vacation unique, and frankly why it's so memorable, because it looks so realistic. Okay, let's get into the film. So... Originally, I thought, well, maybe I'm going to make this like everyone's seen this film, but maybe not everyone has seen this film. On top of that, there's so many funny clips that I'm just going to go through everything because I enjoy listening to it, and hopefully you do as well. So the film begins with a great montage of various places across the United States shown in postcards with one of the most memorable movie songs of the 80s, and that's Holiday Road from Lindsey Buckingham. Of course, he was in Fleetwood Mac. The final postcard ends in Chicago, as it's the city that the Griswolds live in. Of course, it's also the hometown of John Hughes. Originally, the producers wanted Fleetwood Mac to perform the opening song, but at the time, the band was kind of broken up. So the next best thing, of course, was a Fleetwood Mac member, Lindsey Buckingham, and they struck gold with Holiday Road because it's synonymous with the film and road trips. We then see Clark Griswold, Chevy Chase, and his son Rusty, Anthony Michael Hall, at a car dealership picking up their new car. The car salesman is played by the always hilarious Eugene Levy, who is not happy to see the Griswolds. Well, there she is. Where? Right here. The wagon. Dad, this is not the car you ordered. Take it easy, Rusty. Ed, uh, this is not the car I ordered. I distinctly ordered the uh, Antarctic Blue Super Sports Wagon with the CB and the optional Rally Fun Pack. You didn't order the uh, Metallic P? Metallic P? No, Antarctic Blue. The Sports Wagon. This isn't even the right model. You know, I think you're right. I don't think this is the car. This is the new Wagon Queen family truckster. This is a, this is a damn fine automobile. If you want my honest opinion, beats the hell out of the Sports Wagon, but I want to make you happy, huh? Davenport! I'll get to the bottom of this. Yes, Mr. Ed. Mr. Griswold ordered a blue sports wagon. Where is it? I don't know, sir. I know what must have happened. It didn't come in. Ed, I'm not your ordinary everyday fool, okay? Now, I'd like my Antarctic blue super sports wagon right now, and if you can't get it for me, I'm going to take my business elsewhere. Where's my old car? I'm just as upset as you are, believe me. Davenport! 
Get Mr. Griswold's car back and bring it back here. And I can get you the wagon. There's no problem there. The problem is it might take six weeks. Now, I owe it to myself to tell you, Mr. Griswold, that if you're thinking of taking the tribe cross country, this is the automobile you should be using, the Wagon Queen family truckster. You think you hate it now, but wait till you drive it. I don't want to drive it. I just want my old car back, okay? I'm not falling for this bit. No way. Let's go, Russ. Car? No, it isn't, honey. I, uh, I changed my mind. <laughs> they flattened our old car like a pancake. Are you serious? Is, is this really our car, Dad? What happened? I thought we were going to get the little sports thing. Oh, no, the sports wagon must be too small. Besides, I got a great deal on this one. Let me tell you, honey, we're taking the whole tribe across country. Believe me, this is your automobile. Why is it still running? Oh, all new cars do that. I'll take care of that in a second. <laughs> you may think you hate it now, honey, but where do you drive it? Whoa, an airbag! <laughs> ah, the new family truckster. The filmmakers took the standard station wagon and tried to ugly it up as much as possible, with the obnoxious paneling in the puke green color. Ramis almost thought they, w- they went too overboard, but the wagon is a character in and of itself, frankly, and it had to be the worst-looking car ever. But that's why it's so memorable. In that last scene, we also introduced to Ellen Griswold, Beverly D'Angelo, and her daughter, Audrey, Dana Barron. Clark has planned a cross-country family vacation to an amusement park in Los Angeles called Wally World. Nobody but Clark seems very excited about driving to California, and they all would rather fly. But Clark will hear nothing of that. It will be so much more fun to drive as a family. Who wants to see the triptych? What? Dad, we're playing. Okay, shut Dad. off the video games. Come on, Russ. Shut it off. I know you'll enjoy this. I've worked out the whole trip on the computer. So we get the maximum amount of fun time at Wally World without missing any of the good stuff along the way. Go. There's us, and there's Wally World. Now let's just take a look at uh, day one, shall we? Honey, come on in. We're going to do day one. Okay, now there's the uh, family truckster as we leave Chicago. Rusty, please do not eat the truckster. Russ, do you mind? I'm trying to uh, work this out here on the old computer. Please, Russ. Oh, great. Thank you, Audrey. That's just great. God damn, here I come. All right, that's enough, Russ. Okay, now I think we're moving toward the ground. Thank you. Good shot, Audrey. Dad, I forgot. Why aren't we flying? Why aren't we flying? Because getting there is half the fun. You know that. Of course, famous last words from Clark. Also, some great 80s video game graphics as Rusty and Audrey basically play a combination of Atari's Pac-Man and Space Invaders while Clark attempts to show his trip itinerary. 
So the Griswolds are off on their journey, and right off the bat, the trip gets off to a rocky start as Clark pulls out of the garage, and the luggage on top of the wagon hits the top of the garage and falls all over the driveway. Clark and Ellen decide that singing in the car is a good way to bond the family, while the kids gag in horror in the back seat. By the way, Beverly D'Angelo was a Broadway singer before she got into film. Yes, before Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels had their version of Mockingbird in Dumb and Dumber, it was the Griswolds. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, chariot, I looked over Jordan and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home, band of angels, what smells in here? Hey, Russ, Russ, your feet. That always used to crack me up as a kid. What smells in here? The family stops for gas, and Clark can't figure out where the gas tank is. He notices another car next to him has the tank behind the rear license plate. So Clark attempts to lift the plate and hilariously ends up flinging it to the side of him, hitting the car next to him. It's really funny to watch. Ellen casually notices the tank is in the front right hood. Isn't this the gas tank? Yes, I know, honey. Get in the car. I'm just fixing the uh, license plate here. What's so funny about that scene is Chevy Chase really almost hit the woman in the head standing near the car across from the family truckster. And that's why he reacted the way he did in the shot. So when you go back and watch, remember that. Back on the road after crossing into St. Louis, they take a wrong exit on the freeway and get lost, which leads to one of the most memorable and hilarious scenes of the film. Roll them up. Clark, what are you doing? Just relax, Ellen. This is so dangerous. We have no business being in an area like this. Well, look at it this way, honey. This is a part of America we never get to see. <laughs> that's good. No, that's bad. I mean, uh, we can't close our eyes to the plight of the cities. Kids, you noticing all this plight? This will just uh, make us appreciate what we have. Roll them up. Fellas, how to get back on the expressway? Pardon me. Uh, I wonder if you could tell me how to get back on the expressway. Hey, fuck your mama. Thank you very much. Hey Donnell, check out this truck, man. Expressway. Hey, hey. hey. For the luggage rack. Hey, hey. hey uh, excuse me, Holmes. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. What it is, bro? We're from out of town. No shit. Yeah, listen, I'd really appreciate it if you could uh, give me directions back onto the expressway. What, for free? Sure. 
$5. I'm not going to give you $5 for directions. I think that's fair, Clark. Okay, here's 10. There you go. Keep the change. Okay. Now, uh, you see uh, you see which way you're pointing, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's good, because uh, you see that place? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You see where I say rib tip? Rib tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, fuck that. You don't want to go that way. What if these guys know the Commodores? You're going to go all the way down about half a block, and you'll see a Torino with no wheels on it. Now, inside that Torino is my cousin, Jack. Now, you tell him you my boy and that you lost. And he'll make sure you get the way you're going, because you don't want to know from me, man. This ain't even my neighborhood. I'm from the west side of Chicago, here on vacation. Thanks a lot. You've been a great help. <laughs> oh, it's the best. By the way, there were hilarious TV edits of the pimp scene, where instead of saying, hey, fuck yo mama, he says this priceless gem. Pardon me. Uh, I wonder if you could tell me how to get back on the expressway. What I look like? Christopher Colombo? Thank you very much. So Christopher Jackson, who played the pimp, had also been working as Pluto at Disneyland before being cast in Vacation, which is ironic since the Vacation film is all about going to an amusement park like Disneyland. So Jackson had bluffed his way into an audition for the film and of course landed the part. Jackson was friends with comedian Howie Mandel and basically on a dare called up Warner Brothers saying that he knew Chevy Chase and about the film. And he had hung out with Richard Pryor and John Belushi and people like that. And his bogus story actually landed him, of course, a very funny scene in the film. And the pushing of the envelope at the time in certain scenes like the inner city is what made the film edgier and very memorable. Otherwise, it would just would have been a Disney type of comedy. You have to have scenes like this. And what some folks don't realize is that people being made fun of in a scene are the Griswolds because they're completely naive and fish out of water. They are the joke here. But unfortunately, in today's climate, today's viewers don't have the nuance in their comedy viewing. So the family truckster has its hubcap stolen and the side is now spray painted with honky lips on it. (laughs) Clark gets back on the freeway but ends up falling asleep at the wheel which leads to them driving blindly. And then after a number of near accidents, they end up in a parking lot of a motel safe and sound. motel a few very memorable scenes include seeing ellen in the shower very memorable for young males while clark acts like norman bates scaring her ah it was the 80s and gratuitous nudity was all the rage also the vibrating bed which won't stop vibrating so d'angelo had no issues performing nude scenes since she had done over 400 performances on stage for the production of hair anthony michael hall got into trouble for sneaking in on a closed set to get a glimpse of d'angelo during the shower scene And I can't say I blame him at all. 
The next day, it's a stop at Dodge City in Kansas before heading to Ellen's cousin's house, Catherine. Kids, this is the very street wide herb used to keep law and order on. Seems kind of dirty and touristy. Oh, Ellen, the old west was dirty. Everything isn't like home. If everything were like home, there'd be no reason for leaving home, right, Rusty? Oh, yeah, Dad, this is great. You know, I'm glad we didn't go to Hawaii. I'll bet you are. Okay. Kids, let's go get a drink. What do you say? Here you go, champ. Howdy, city slickers. Welcome to the Long Branch. No fighting, no cussing, no gunslinging. Watch what you say to our bartender. He's an ornery cuss. Thank you, Sheriff. Uh, Marshal. Oh, sorry. It's no sweat. Give me five, partner. God, it was a crummy wire. He's wearing jogging shoes. Ah, oh, they used to, Rusty. Hey, knucklehead. Set us up with four red eyes, will you? Hey, Yellow Belly, I'm talking to you. <laughs> hey, Tenderfoot, move your chicken wings, turkey. <laughs> Clark, that's not nice. It's all part of the act, huh? <laughs> hey, underpants. Hey, Yellow Belly. Clark! I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm all right. I don't think that's very funny. A noise like that could impair the kid's hearing. Oh, come on. It was real. It looked real, didn't it? I th hell, I thought it was a real gun. Didn't it look real when it fell down, hon? What? Didn't it look real, sweetie? What? Are you happy now, Clark? She's deaf. Oh, what's the difference? It was fun anyway. Let's have a drink. What do you say? Pardon me, sir? <laughs> hey, underpants. Ah, oh, what's the difference? <laughs> so good. Fun fact, the guy who plays the fake sheriff in the saloon is actually Richard Dreyfuss' brother. Next, it's off to see Catherine and Eddie. Eddie is the epitome of a country bumpkin, played brilliantly by Randy Quaid. But before that, we get another iconic 80s movie scene as the drop-dead gorgeous Christy Brinkley drives up alongside of the Griswold family truckster in her bright red Ferrari, and she makes eyes at Clark while her theme song, Little Boy Sweet by June Pointer of the Pointer Sisters, plays in the background. Ellen is too busy yelling at the kids in the back seat to notice Clark flirting with Christy Brinkley. So Brinkley actually had to be given driving lessons for the Ferrari because it had an extra gear that regular cars did not have, and there was a certain touch you had to have when shifting gears. Brinkley quickly learned how to drive the Ferrari in less than a day after her lesson with the stunt coordinator, and she was good to go. The Griswolds soon arrive in Coolidge, Kansas at Eddie and Catherine's house. The actual farmhouse where it was shot was located in Pueblo, Colorado and belonged to a real older farming couple who were delighted that their house was being used in the film. In addition to receiving a fee for the usage, they also got a new paint job and new wallpapering. Miriam Flynn, who plays Catherine, you might remember her as Annette in another great 1983 film, also written by John Hughes, Mr. Mom. So the kids meet their cousins Vicky and Dale for the first time. Now Vicky is played by Jane Krakowski, who would go on to a very successful TV career, most notably on Ally McBeal. But this was her film debut. And Dale is played by John P. Navin, who you might remember from a past Damn Good Movie Memories episode where we talk about another 1983 comedy, Losing It, where he plays Wendell, Jackie Early Haley's younger brother in that film. 
You have lost weight, Catherine. Uh, yeah, added a few more mouths to the litter. <laughs> Let's see, uh, Rusty and Audrey, cousins Vicky and Dale. Hi. And uh, this is Eddie Jr. and this is Junior and this little moppet on my skirts is Daisy Mabel. Well, how old are you, little one? Uh, she was born without a tongue, Clark. But uh, don't you worry about her. She whistles like a bird and eats like a horse. Oh. <laughs> hey, kids, why don't you take your little guest out back and show them your worm farm, huh? Come on, it's good. Come on, here. Ellen, come on in the house. I got oh, so much to tell you. The flowers, I love them. <laughs> I'm going steady. And I French kiss. So everybody does that. Yeah, but Daddy says I'm the best at it. Hey, you got Pac-Man? No. Uh, you got Space Invaders? Nope. You got Asteroids? No, but my dad does. Can't even sit on the toilet some days. So, so what do you do here, Dale? Well, you got a stack of nudie books this high. Oh, she's beautiful. Sell any of them to me? Shit, no. I cherish these things. And I use them a lot. How do you use a magazine? I was getting to that. See, the guy taught me something really neat last year. Did you ever bop your baloney? <laughs> Kids are growing up fast with their country cousins. Great line about asteroids, by the way. Also, the cousin that was born without a tongue, well, that's Harold Ramis' real-life daughter. Back at the barbecue, another member of the family joins the lunch. Old Aunt Edna, Emma Jean Coca. How do you like yours, Clark? Oh, medium rare, a little pink inside. Oh, you're fine. Light or dark? Oh, uh, either way, it doesn't matter. Vicky, can I help you with that Kool-Aid? Please? Mmm-mm-mm. I don't know why they call this stuff Hamburger Helper. It does uh, just fine by itself, huh? Uh, I like it better than Tuna Helper myself. Don't you, Clark? You're the gourmet around here, Ed. <laughs> no meat in this? You get plenty of meat at home. Be polite. Have some ketchup. Real tomato ketchup, Eddie? Oh, nothing but the best. And Edna, helper's getting cold. Is that your aunt, Edna? And Edna, after all these years, you're looking so good. Oh, hi, Edna. Nice to see you again. You remember Clark, don't you? You were the ones that sent me the fruitcake for Christmas. It made me so sick. Oh, I'm sorry. We thought you enjoyed fruitcake. You enjoy throwing up every five minutes, Claude? Clark. I thought so. Whew. Well, am I going to eat or am I going to starve to death? Catherine. Did you tell Clark and Ellen the good news? 
Uh, no, I was just about to. Catherine, what's the good news? You're driving me to Phoenix! <laughs> Sorry, Claude. Another person to haul around in the family truckster. By the way, it's a visual gag, but Vicky is stirring the Kool-Aid in the jar with her arm instead of a spoon. And that was all improvised by Krakowski during rehearsal, and Chevy Chase told Harold Ramis they should just film it. And it's hilarious, and it's perfect. That night, Vicky decides to show how cool living in the sticks is as they grow marijuana in their backyard. On a less fun note, Eddie asks Clark if he can help out his family with some extra cash. No, I got uh, laid off when they closed that asbestos factory. <clears throat> now, wouldn't you know it, the Army cuts my disability pension because they said that the plate in my head wasn't big enough. Eddie... Clark and Ellen don't want to hear about our troubles. No, no, it's very interesting. Well, I, did, I didn't want to ask you, Clark, you know, but could you maybe spare a little, you know, extra cash? Sure, Eddie. <laughs> How much you need? About $52,000. <laughs> Nothing like having deadbeat relatives. Anyway, in addition to having to take Aunt Edna to Phoenix, they also have to bring her less-than-friendly dog, Dinky, who would always bite at the heels of anyone around. The dog that played Dinky was so well-trained that he knew to always just grab the pant leg and to never come close to biting the skin of any of the actors. Next stop is a picnic area, where Clark runs into the beauty in the Ferrari again, and Dinky makes his presence known to the group when he pees all over the basket with the sandwiches in them. Clark hilariously spits out his sandwich while flirting with Christy Brinkley, but Aunt Edna simply shrugs and keeps eating. <laughs> Mom, my sandwich is all wet. Yeah, they're all wet, but... Oh, God. The dog went on the picnic basket. The last scene where Brinkley and Chase are both dancing at each other was completely improv because Chase couldn't dance like Christy Brinkley, who was naturally smooth. And that's why the scene is so hilarious, even before the punchline of the dog peeing on the sandwiches. And it was Imogene Coca who came up with the perfect reaction for the Aunt Edna character to keep eating after discovering the dog pee. Next stop is Camp Comfort in South Fork, Colorado, where the accommodations are not that much of a step up from Cousin Eddie's house. The desk clerk is played by another great character actor, Brian Doyle Murray, who is, of course, the brother of Bill Murray. And, of course, you have to give Aunt Edna the smelly tent. This is likely what led to her demise. Sorry, spoiler alert. Well, after Dinky attacks the shared sleeping bag of Clark and Ellen, it's back on the road for the Griswolds, which leads to another memorable scene. Ah. Uh, what do you say, honey? Ah! Despite all the little problems, it really is fun, isn't it? No. But with every new day, there's fresh hope. Hey, kids, let's go! There's some daylight here! Hey, did you walk him? Yeah, he took a big one right on Aunt Edna's blanket. Good boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Better take care of Aunt Edna, I'll take the leash. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Roll over. Ow! Ow! Dinky. Ow! You're tearing my dress! Good morning, Ed. Ah! Hey, Dinky. Sit. Roll over. 
Audrey, you're next. No way, Jose. Hey, Audrey. What's the problem? Ma, I had to sit next to Anna the last time. She smells like mothballs. Anyway, it's her turn. For your information, Rusty slept in his underpants last night. Hey, 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 easy, kid. Come on, cut it out. Everybody in the car. Boat leads in two minutes. Or perhaps you don't want to see the second largest ball of twine on the face of the earth, which is only four short hours away. <laughs> Sweetie, do you hear that rattle? Hmm, where's it coming from? It beats the heck out of me. I'm looking for it ever since we left. It's driving me crazy. God, Dad, check it out behind you. Oh, shoot. Now what have we done? Will you hold my purse? Huh? Just hold my purse. What's the problem? Get out of the car. I don't think I was speeding. Was I weaving or something? Shut your mouth, sir. You know, if I wasn't in uniform, I'd split your skull with the butt of this revolver faster than you could say police brutality. Well, officer, whatever it is I've done, I'm sure I can explain. Explain this, you son of a bitch. Oh, my God. You know what the penalty for animal cruelty is in this state? No, sir, I don't. Well, it's probably pretty stiff. Oh, you can't think I'd do this on purpose, sir. I Look, I, I tied him to the rear bumper when I was packing the car. I, uh, it was very confusing. I must have forgot. I, I'm very sorry. I feel terrible. How do you think that little dog feels? Look, I told you I was sorry. It really was an accident. Yeah. Well, I guess I can buy that, sir. But it is a shame. I had a pooch like this when, when I was a kid. Poor little guy. Probably kept up with you for a mile or so. Tough little mud. Yeah. I was afraid you'd get pulled over, Clark. You've been exceeding the speed limit for thousands of miles. Dad wasn't speeding. The cop stopped us because Dad forgot to... He was speeding, Rusty. No, he wasn't, Mom. Russ, listen to your mother. I was speeding. I was driving like a maniac. We can all be grateful to this man for stopping us. You see, kids, a car... Here's the lease, sir. I'm going back to get the rest of the carcass off the road. Thank you, officer. See you. Have a nice day. Is your idea of a good restaurant? Dog killer! I'm sure the food is just fine. Mm, ah, 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 ah. New car, I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, kids. Oh, kids. Mm -hmm. Waitress.
dog killer. <laughs> so the cop, played by James Keach, coming back to tell Clark about getting the rest of the carcass off the road is also so priceless. The scene is also one of Chevy Chase's favorites in the film, which says a lot about Chevy Chase. James Keach said that every time he said, poor little pooch, in a sullen voice, Chevy would start giggling. <laughs> Speaking of edgy, I mean, there are a few things in this film you just can't simply do, and killing animals is really one of them. That's just like a rule of thumb, but it just works for the scene. Maybe it's because the dog is so vicious and not really well-liked. I don't know, but it just works. Crazy enough, Hughes had written an even zanier outcome for Dinky, as instead of just the leash, you would have seen a bloody dog belt attached to the leash and then a red trail behind the car. But Ramis realized that would have been just too much. Just the thought of Dinky's demise works so much better than actually showing anything. So after the drive-in mishap where the food crashes through the side window, it's back on the road and Clark gets to see his favorite Ferrari lady again on the road while the rest of the family is asleep in the car. Unfortunately, Clark stops paying attention to the road and almost drives into oncoming traffic. In addition, after going over a dip in the road, a few bags fell from the roof, which just happened to have all their money and credit cards. Anyway, it's time to see the Grand Canyon, but they take a slight detour. Clark, I think we're lost. We're not lost. Tell me, please let me do the driving. I honestly don't think you're going to find the Grand Canyon on this road. Jesus, it's only the biggest goddamn hole in the world. Clark, watch your language. I think that's the second biggest. Dad, I haven't seen a car for an hour. Oh, shut up, Audrey. You don't think Dad knows where he's going. Thank you, Russ. You're lost. Ma, I saw some detour signs. I didn't see any. I saw them when you and Mom were trying to fold the map. Audrey, when they close the road, they put up big signs, like this one. Check under the hood. Audrey, gather up all the clothes and put them in a pile. Rusty, find the first aid kit, then get the suitcases and bring them here. Mom, where can I go to the bathroom? Find a bush, Audrey. Huh. Hey, Dad, you must have jumped this thing about 50 yards. Ah, it's nothing to be proud of, Rusty. Fifty yards. <laughs> Alan! Alan! Get me out of here! Stay in the car. It's hot and dangerous out here. Don't you tell me what to do. I'll do what I want. I should never have come on this trip with you. I should have taken an airplane. And he... He shouldn't even have a license to drive an automobile. He should be behind bars. Sit down and shut up. Move out of that seat and I'll split your lip. Attaway, Ellen. Should just tie Aunt Edna to the bumper. There are some great lines after the crash, but my favorite is Audrey saying that she just got her period. <laughs> of course, then the airbag deploys after they're stopped. 
To film the memorable car flying scene, there was a lot of debate between Ramis and the stunt coordinator about how far the car should actually go in the air. Both realized that it would be very funny to see a station wagon catching air like a sports car, but technically, it's not an easy stunt to pull off, and you only get one shot to get it right, and they were in the middle of the Arizona desert. Even the local Navajo tribe came on set to bless the car and the stunt driver, and obviously their powers worked because the car flew far greater than originally planned. It flew 173 feet. Today, it would be all CGI instead of a real stunt. And that's, again, what makes this film so great. Clark uses this spare time to have a little bonding time with Rusty before trying to flag down some help in the Arizona desert. Rusty, come on up here. Oh, Russ. I'm going to have to hike down the road a bit and find a service station. I want you to stay here and take care of things, Russ. Um... You be okay, Dad? Oh, sure, sure, sure. You know, I haven't had much of a chance to talk to you man to man, Russ. Well, I've only been a man a few days, Dad. <laughs> yeah. You're growing up so damn fast. I've spent the last 15 years of my life developing newer and better food additives. I guess I've missed an awful lot. First, I didn't want to take this vacation. But now I'm glad I did. It's given me a chance to spend a lot more time with you and... Uh, uh, Audrey. Audrey, yeah. <sighs> you know, it's been real fun for me too, Dad. Really. Well, except for Aunt Edna. Oh, she doesn't mean to be a pain in the rump. It's just the way she is. Let's not let it spoil our fun, huh? I won't. <laughs> you know, maybe she'd be a nicer person if she had a family of her own. You know, instead of... Always having to glom on to someone else's. Yeah. You're a pretty bright little guy. Excuse me, man. <laughs> it's okay, Dad. You know what I want to do? When I was your age, my dad shared a beer with me, and I thought it was about the best thing in the world. a boy just about every summer we'd take a vacation and you know in 18 years we never had fun but now i have my own family and well we're on our own vacation and you know something russ what that we're gonna have fun <laughs> we're gonna have fun hey don't let your mother smell that beer in your breath. She'll take it out on me. Yeah. Well, I better get a move on if I want to get us out of here by dark. Right. Good talk, son. Talk, Dad. Clark? I just had a good talk with Rusty. You'll be in good hands here, honey. Where are you going? Oh, well, there's got to be a phone or a gas station around here somewhere, honey. Well, all right, but if you're not back in an hour... I'll be fine. You'll be fine. I'm sure this sort of thing happens all the time. A patrol car will be by any minute. Over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. Oh! <laughs> Rusty chugging the beer is great, which, by the way, was empty for the scene, according to Anthony Michael Hall. 
Well, eventually, a dehydrated and delirious Clark finds the service station where Ellen and the kids are, and then gets extorted for the shabby work done to the car. Okay. What do I owe you? Never heard of no one so shit all stupid as you driving off that road. You must have got manure for your brains. Yeah, well, I'm from out of town, so what's the bill? <laughs> what's the bill? Come on, come on, come on, how much? How much you got? No, no, I'm asking how much the repairs are. I'm asking you how much you got. You're out of your mind. Look, I don't have time to play around, okay? So how much is it? All of it, boy. What's your sheriff think of your business practices? So now they're really broke after being shaken down by the auto shop thieves and the town sheriff. Clark tries to get money at a hotel near the Grand Canyon, but that does not go as planned. I'm sorry, sir. I can't accept this credit card. Why not? The computer says it's been reported lost. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you see, my wife lost her cards in Colorado, and I had to report it, and the computer's probably saying that I lost mine, which obviously I haven't. Well, you'll have to straighten that out with your bank. Would you take a personal check? For how much? $300. I can't do that, sir. Look, I've lost all my cash, and we're on our way to California, and... Wally World? Yeah, Wally World. And I'm sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place, you know? I'd really appreciate it. Not without a major credit card. I have $6.13 to my name, so I can see we're going to have to work something out here between us. Look, I've already told you, I can't accept a check without a major credit card. I'm making this out for $1,000. All you have to do is give me $300 in cash and keep $700. All for doing nothing more than acting like a total creep. The only thing I can do is have you stay here until the check clears. Ten working days. Where's Edna? She's in the car. Good. Come on, kids. Get your butts in the car. Go. Don't you want to look at the Grand Canyon? Yeah. Great. Clark decided to improvise by taking the money out of the cash register, which is why he was in such a hurry. Well, they have some money now, but then another unexpected event occurs. Crack open those sandwiches I got at the gas station. I'm so hungry, I can eat a sandwich from a gas station. <laughs> There's one for everyone. Oh, Audrey, wake up, Aunt Edna. It's time for her to eat and take her pill. Please get off me. Mom, tell Audrey to quit pushing on Edna on me. I'm sick of her lying on me all the time. Be quiet. Eddie. Honey, it's only a few hours to Phoenix. Let her be. She's fine. 
She's not fine. She's fine. Don't be silly. She's not fine, Clark. She's dead. <laughs> she breathed on me. A dead person breathed. Oh, her hand touched me. She's stiff already. Oh. <laughs> God damn it anyway! She must have passed away somewhere near Flagstaff. What are we gonna do, Clark? Well, we could leave her here in the first phone we pass. We could call your cousin Normie and he could come and get her, I guess. That's the meanest, coldest. Well, what do you want me to do? Call Federal Express? Mom, we don't have to ride with the dead person, do we? Please say we don't. Yeah, come on, Mom. It'd be real easy for Cousin Normie to find her. All they have to do is look for the buzzards. Oh, hell, then we'll drive her to Cousin Normie's for Pete's sake. Just didn't want to get caught up in a funeral and inquest and all that crap. You are the most self-centered, egotistical, manipulative... Don't say anything you'll regret, Ellen. I'm only being practical. If we drove straight through, we'd have three days at Wally World at best. Three. She can't weigh more than 100 pounds. Oh, no! You can't put her up on that roof. Yes, he can. You want me to strap her to the hood? What's the difference? She'll be fine. It's not as if it's going to rain or something. Yep, Aunt Edna is now with Dinky, but instead of being tied to the bumper, she's wrapped in a blanket and placed on the luggage rack on top of the car. They decide to drop off Edna on the doorstep of her son's house. But Rusty had the best line of, just look for the buzzards. <laughs> Clark, we have to at least say something. Okay, bow your heads, bow your heads. Oh, God. Ease our suffering, and this our moment of great despair. Yea, admit this good and decent woman into thine arms and the flock in thine heavenly area up there. And Moab, he laid its down bind at the band of the Canaanites. And yea, though the Hindus speak of karma, Clark, I implore you, give her, give her a break. Clark. Baruch Clark, this is a serious matter. I'll do it myself. Honey, I'm not an ordained minister. I'm doing my best, okay? I don't want to be in the car anymore. I want to go home. I don't want to go to Wally World. Clark, under the circumstances, I wouldn't mind if we just went home. In retrospect, it seems like a pretty bad idea driving out. It's been one disaster after another. Yeah, it's been a real drag, Dad. Maybe we can try it some other time. Wally World's overrated anyway. What do you think? I think you're all fucked in the head. We're ten hours from the fucking fun park and you want to bail out. Well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest. It's a quest for fun. I'm going to have fun and you're going to have fun. We're all going to have so much fucking fun we'll need plastic surgery to remove our goddamn spiles. 
You'll be whistling symphony doodah out of your assholes. <laughs> I gotta be crazy. I'm on a pilgrimage to see a moose. Praise Marty Moose. Holy shit. Dad, you wanna ask for something? Don't touch. One of the greatest rants in film history. Well, the night continues to get even crazier when they find a motel, and then Clark runs into Christy Brinkley at the hotel bar, and he finally gets a chance to talk with her, and much more. Waiting for someone? No! <clears throat> Mind if I sit down? Fancy <laughs> seeing you here. Having a nice little family vacation. Oh, <laughs> no. it would appear so, wouldn't it? No, 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 the truth of it is, and this is highly confidential, uh, I own this motel. Yeah, own the whole chain nationwide, 2,200 units. <laughs> yeah, once a year I travel across the country incognito, you know, check things out, see how the operation's running. I thought you were going to say you work for the CIA. <laughs> That's an old bit, huh? Really? Oh, no. No, not with the CIA. I was. A long time ago. I don't like to talk about it. No, I'm mostly interested in my motels now. And my airline. That's great. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to have a little fun. <laughs> it's too bad you're married. I'm in the mood for some fun. Married? Oh, you mean those people I'm with? my brother's family my brother's ring no I usually borrow them on these little inspection tours of mine it sort of helps to complete the disguise it's fun for them it's a good disguise I like the station wagon effect yeah well that's a it's a big part of it you know in order to be convincing you have to look and act uh, like an ordinary jerk you know stop at all the stupid sights and uh, look like a fool Basically, be yourself. Yeah. So you like the disguise. Yeah, my credo is, if you have to have a credo, you know, go for it, pretty much. You only go around this crazy merry-go-round once, you know? I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's my credo. You don't have to have a credo, but bird fits where it. Penny say, Penny's uh, from heaven. My favorite credo. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, Penny saved and thank you. Great. Well, are you gonna go for it? Uh, here? For starters, sure. Why not? Don't you swim? Oh, sure. <laughs> sure, I took third in the uh, state finals in my senior year, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I swim, heck. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling completely at ease in the water. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm proficient in many strokes, and I dive. As a matter of fact, I could have been in the Olympics. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be right there. Yeah. <sighs> this is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. How's the water? Accelerating. <laughs> I'm in deep. I'm in deep. Dark hole! Jesus! Fuck! Hi, honey. What are you doing? Uh, swimming. Yeah, my back was, uh, killing me. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought, you know, a good hot swim loosen up the muscles. Why go to the car, get the bathing suit, jump right in? It's exhilarating. And guess what, honey? This person here was, uh, here. I didn't see this person, so I, uh, I screamed. You know, that's why I yelled. I was so surprised. You can imagine, can't you, honey? Honey? Can you excuse me? If you have to go. Well, I'd stay if I weren't married, but I am. I know. Uh, I hope I didn't spoil your evening. No, it's been interesting. <laughs> well, enjoy the rest of your trip. You too. Well, good luck, Clark, trying to explain this one to Ellen. Hey, sport. Hey, Dad. What are you doing up? You woke the whole motel up, Dad. Oh, <laughs> I was uh, swimming. Yeah, I saw you. Russ, come here a minute. Russ, you know I wouldn't do anything to hurt your mom. It's been a long drive, and geez, I work, I work very hard for you and Audrey and your mom. I guess when you get older, you get these feelings, and uh, these feelings make you do things you wouldn't normally do. Like swimming naked with girls? And... Yeah, like swimming naked with girls. With, well, not with girls. You think I was swimming with girls? It was just one girl. I saw her. Was that that girl? Yeah. Oh, no, that's a waitress. No, I was just ordering in. She's a pool waitress. I was uh, ordering in some fish for you and Audrey and Mom. She took your order? She took my order, yeah. <laughs> Swimming waitress. Yeah. You understand, don't you, Russ? Sure. sure I understand. <laughs> you think Mom will buy it? Good talk, son. Ellen decides to forgive Clark and even decides she's much, even more fun than Christy Brinkley when she takes off all of her clothes and jumps into the pool. Everything is back to, well, normal again. While D'Angelo had no issues working nude, it was a slightly different story with Christy Brinkley about how, you know, quote-unquote nude she would actually get. In the film, you never see more than Brinkley in her bra and underwear, but you still see plenty of skin. At this time, it was beneficial to Brinkley to not be nude 
because her modeling career was built up on guessing what she looks like under the bikini and lingerie. If she was nude in the film, that suggestion could harm all the innuendo she had already built up, and ultimately she was completely correct. Now, up until the bar scene, Brinkley had no lines of dialogue. All of her shots were almost just like normal jobs of modeling for her. It was like looking into the camera and posing, things like that. The producers and Ramis just assumed she could deliver lines, but it wasn't that simple for Brinkley. Harold Ramis basically said, just act like yourself, but she was shaky and nervous at first, but she figured everything out and did great in her scenes. All right, it's usually at this point in the film that I would stop and not spoil the ending. However, this is the type of film that would not be ruined in the slightest if you know what happens in the final 15 minutes. I've seen this movie countless times, and knowing exactly what's coming up, I still laugh like it's the first time I saw it. So let's finish it up. The Griswolds arrive in Los Angeles and they drive into the Wally World parking lot. The lot is completely empty, but Clark figures, well, they're just early. So they race to the entrance with the Chariots of Fire theme song playing. And the only reason they could use this song was because Chariots of Fire, the movie that is, was produced by Warner Brothers. And then comes the bombshell. Sorry, folks, we're closed for two weeks to clean and repair America's favorite family fun park. Sorry. What? Clark, what are you doing? We watch his program. We buy his toys, we go to his movies. He owes us. Doesn't he owe us? Huh? He owes the Griswolds, right? Fucking A, right he owes us. Clark, you're scaring me. Don't be scared. I just think somebody owes us an explanation, that's all. Come on, come on, come on. Clark! And if you didn't know, the voice of the Moose recording is Harold Ramis. I remember seeing this the first time and just dying laughing because, of course, this would be the only outcome for the Griswolds. And yet another reason why pre-internet movies had so many ways to instill great plot points that are simply gone in today's society. For example, there was no way they could have known the park was closed for two weeks unless they called ahead. But why would you even think that a theme park would ever be closed? Today, a simple internet search would have ruined the entire film. Clark snaps again, goes to a sporting goods store, and then returns to the park and meets a security guard, played by John Candy. Clark, will you listen to me? Let's just find a hotel. I'll call my parents, I'll wire us some money, we can fly home and forget this entire vacation ever happened. Honey, honey, just relax, okay? I told you I'm not angry anymore. I'm in complete control. I'm sure they're not repairing every ride at the same time. I think they owe us a little explanation. I think they owe us a little fun, okay? Whatever happens, just trust me. Will you just trust me? Huh, kids? Sorry, folks, the park's closed. The moose out front should have told you. Yes, uh, we're here to see Mr. Roy Wally. What is your name, sir? Clark W. Griswold. What's this regarding, Mr. Grizzle? Ah, uh, we're here for public amusement relations or a summer inspection to a personal matter. Ah, inspection. Well, nobody, uh, nobody notified this office of, um, of anything. Well, I'm notifying you. I'm afraid I'm going to need a little more than that, sir. Okie dokie. How's this? Clark, have you lost your mind? Where did you get that? Sporty goods store, honey. Now you listen to me, fat ass. You do what I say and there won't be any problem, okay? Okay. We just drove 2,460 miles just for a little Roy Wally entertainment. The moose says you're closed. I say you're open. We're not really violent people. This is our first gun. No, it isn't. Clark then makes the guard take them on all the rides. And by the way, the other guard is played by Frank McRae, a great character actor you might have seen in used cars, and batteries not included. 
isn't it? You boys and girls make sure you keep your hands on the handlebars at all times. We don't want any accidents. Is that a real gumball? I don't know, Rusty, but when this is all over, your father may be going away for a little while. Boy, I sure am bushed. Have you had enough yet, sir? What do you mean, bushed? Where are the big rides? The big ones. Screamy, me, me. Let's go. Get in the front. Come on. Has your father ever killed anyone before? Oh, just a dog. Oh, and my Aunt Edna. Hey, you can't prove that, Rusty. Ooh. Rusty, may I call you Rusty? I had a bad experience on this ride once before. What happened? I threw up. <laughs> then after the giant roller coaster, the SWAT team arrives, along with the owner of the park, played by Eddie Bracken, who was in many great Preston Sturgis films in the 1940s. Well, uh, he well, kidnapped me, Mr. Wally, but I want to tell you, I had a great time on your ride. It was the most fantastic time I've ever had in my life. I like the part where I was That's really way up high there. I'm glad you like it. Now, what's, what's happening right now? It's Roy Wally, Yeah, Mr. Wally. My name is Russ Lasky. I met you at the summer picnic last year, and I just want to tell you, I had a great time. I don't remember. They kidnapped one of my men, sir. But I was the one who was sick. Well, anyway, Mr. Wally, I went on all the rides, and you know, I didn't even get sick this time. Normally, I get sick on all your rides. Quiet! I didn't get sick. What? Mr. Wally? Huh? Roy? Uh, I think I can make some sense out of this. Well, somebody better explain, or there'll uh, they'll be a lot of explaining to do. Uh, I'm Clark W. Griswold. Huh? And, uh, oh, uh, this is my wife, Ellen. Hi. We're really big fans of yours. We watch your show all the time. Oh, and uh, my children, Audrey and Rusty. Oh. <laughs> nice family. <laughs> uh, 
We're from Chicago, Roy, the Windy City. Oh, yes, I've been there many times. Yeah, and we just spent uh, two weeks of living hell driving out here. Lost a very dear member of the family along the way. But the important thing, Roy, is that we could have gone anywhere we wanted to this summer, you know? Anywhere in the world. But when I asked my kids, <laughs> when I said, kids, you remember? When I said, where would you like to go this summer more than any place in the world, huh? What'd you say? Why? Shut up, Russ. Audrey, remember? Uh, Wally World, Dad? Wally World, Dad. Roy Wally World. I, I don't imagine you have any children, Mr. Wally. Are you kidding? I have seven. I thought yeah. so. Seven. Did you hear that, honey? You look so young. So you do look very oh, young. Oh, did you do your Did you ever drive them across the uh, country? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Chef. One took the whole clan to Florida one year. Worst two weeks I ever had in my life. The smell from the back seat was to unbearable. Ooh, I mean, a family. I knew that smell. I know that smell. But, Roy, can you imagine how your kids would have felt if when you got to Florida it was closed? Oh, they don't close Florida. No, you Well, I know they don't close the state of Florida. Florida. I, I, but, uh, you know, when we, when we got here to Roy Wally World and it was closed down, Roy, if you'd seen the look on my kids' faces, I guess I just went a little haywire. You went a I, lot haywire, if you ask me. Well, I'm very sorry, sir, and I'm sorry to all of these people here. I, I, I didn't mean any harm. I, I just want you to ask yourself one thing. If you were... If you were me, wouldn't you do the same thing for your children? No. We're all finished here, Mr. Wally. You want me to take them downtown and book them? Um... No, no, uh... Forget it, officer. I'm not gonna press any charges. Out! And they live happily ever after, and another ride on the big coaster, the end. Now, the actual ending that made it to the final product of the film is not the original ending. The original ending has Clark, instead of holding the park guards hostage, he instead goes straight to Roy Wally's mansion to confront him after buying one of those roadside Map of the Stars. Clark interrupts an executive meeting and takes Roy Wally hostage because, you know, the Griswolds have been inconvenienced due to the park being closed. So Clark makes him sing and dance at gunpoint like an old Western outlaw. Also, the Christy Brinkley character arrives and we find out, well, she's the daughter of Roy Wally and convinces her father not to press charges. On the plane ride home, the Griswolds realize they are on the wrong flight. Clark then snaps and hijacks the plane. <laughs> so that was the original ending and it was shown to test audiences. So for the first 80 minutes of the film, the audience loved it, hysterically laughing. But then once the ending came, it was like all of the air was sucked out of the room. There were no laughs. It completely fell flat. And the reason is because the entire movie is about going to Wally World. How can you have an ending with no payoff? Knowing that the audience felt cheated and let down by the ending... A reshoot needed to be made and you ended up with the ending that we all know and love. However, the new ending added about 500000 to the budget. But Warner Brothers went along with it and thankfully they did or we might not be talking about this film today. John Hughes was brought back to write the new ending. And the actual Wally world used in the film was a combination of multiple places. For example, the parking lot was the Santa Anita racetrack with a map painting in the background that blocked the racetrack. Now, the actual rides were at Magic Mountain in Los Angeles. The next part was finding the perfect actor to play the bumbling security guard. And Ramis knew that John Candy was perfect for the role, and he was. And to play Roy Wally, they wanted a Walt Disney lookalike. 
and Eddie Bracken fit that bill to a T. Now, there was another issue to the reshoot. Since it was months after the initial filming wrapped, Anthony Michael Hall had a growth spurt. He was a teenager, after all. And so you can see how, in the end, Hall is definitely taller than earlier in the film. Because of this, Audrey was rewritten to no longer be the older sibling. Ironically, the hostage ending was essentially used in Christmas Vacation. So that just goes to show how some things can work fine in one film, but not in another. All right, again... Vacation, easily in the top 10 of my all-time favorite movies. No matter how many times I see it, I never get tired of it, and it's another example of the genius of John Hughes, Harold Ramis, and Chevy Chase. Just when you think the film can't get any crazier, it does, and it's a brilliant piece of comedy. Also, something that you might not remember, at the end, you can definitely see where the movie The Hangover, those ending credits, were inspired by. Granted, the, the ones in Vacation are not as insane, but still had to be inspired by Vacation. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, here's another reason to see the film again. So while the three other Vacation sequels each have their own charm, they're worth checking out. The original is by far the superior film. It's also the only film where Clark isn't a complete buffoon. It's almost like what happened to Homer Simpson on The Simpsons. The earlier seasons, Homer was more serious before evolving into a lovable moron. And even though many would pick Christmas Vacation as their second favorite of the series... In many ways, Vegas Vacation is the most underrated of the group. All right, some fun facts. Both Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo hate roller coasters. D'Angelo's double did most of the long shots riding on the coaster. John Candy had a tough time fitting in the coaster car, and the reason Anthony Michael Hall was up front was because he was the only person small enough to fit next to John Candy. Imaging Coca suffered what is believed to have been a stroke during production. Harold Ramis said that they filmed a scene in the morning, and by the afternoon, she couldn't remember anything they did. And after getting out of the hospital, she and her husband worked together to relearn her lines and get her back on set to finish the movie. According to Maddie Simmons, when they first went to hire Imaging Coca's on Edna, the actress wasn't sure that she could play that mean of a role. Simmons convinced her by telling her that she was a great actress who could play as mean as she wanted to play it. There were times in the car scenes where she would turn to Dana Barron or Anthony Michael Hall and ask them if she was being too mean. <laughs> Richard Belzer, Robert Klein, and Bill Murray were considered for the role of Clark Griswold. Kim Cattrall was one of the choices to play Ellen Griswold. Robin Williams and Kenneth Mars were considered to play the role of Cousin Eddie. Maddie Simmons and Warner Brothers executive Mark Cannon wanted John Landis to direct the movie. Simmons talked to him about it, but Landis turned it down because he was working on An American Werewolf in London at the same time. At the end of the production, Chevy Chase gave Anthony Michael Hall a signed photo that said, Michael, no mas, no mas. If you're going blind, you're doing it right. <laughs> During a scene early in the movie, Clark helps Ellen clean the dishes, but he never actually rinses them or puts them in the dishwasher. Instead, he just wipes them off with a rag and puts them back into the cabinets. Check that out. All right, again, great movie. Hope you enjoyed all the fun clips and the backstory. Now we're going to talk to the dynamic duo of DJ Metal Mike Tyler and Bill Roseberry, who talk about the brilliance of vacation. And I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, we're back with the dynamic duo of Bill Roseberry and Metal Mike Tyler. Welcome back, guys. Hey, how's it going, brother? What's up, Brian? Well, the first thing I want to ask you guys uh, before I actually get into the film, and uh, have you ever actually read the short story, which is called Vacation 58, which is actually written by John Hughes? It was published in the National Lampoon magazine, and it's what this film is based on. Have you have either one of you read this before? And I'll start with Mike. I have heard. I've read about it, but I've never actually read the actual story. Okay. How about you, Bill? 
I didn't even know that existed until just you, now. So you bad. have to check it out. It is hilarious. It's a, it's about, oh, I want to say 10 pages long. You can, you can find it online. Totally darker. Uh, the, the, uh, the Clark Griswold character is much uh, meaner, I would say. But in some cases, he's actually funnier the way he, he's constantly pissed off, which says a lot because Chevy Chase is great in this. So I highly recommend you check it out. I'll start with Mike on, on this question. Did you see this in the theater when it first came out? No, I did not. Um, I remember the first time I watched Vacation, I think it was on cable. Okay. And I think the thing that was really cool about it is I lived in a fairly rural area, um, not as rural as Bill did when he was growing up, but we didn't get cable till I was like in junior high. And I don't think Bill got cable till what? You were in high school, dude? I was like a junior in high school before right. I Right. So for a big part of my uh, youth, uh, we didn't have cable TV. We just had regular, you know, just an ordinary aerial TV, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, but my grandma lived in Bethalto, which is even though it was just a town over, they had cable. So anytime we wanted to watch something uncut, we would, mm-hmm. you know, and, and every other weekend I would spend with one of my grandmas, you know, like um on one weekend, my brother, my older brother would go to one grandma and me and Marky would go to the other. And mm-hmm. they both had cable. So it was always like awesome. We get to spend time with grandmas because grandmas are awesome. But also we get to watch. T- well, that's how I watched The Exorcist when I had no fucking business watching <laughs> at, at, this, at that age. But, you know, grandma fell asleep. The Exorcist was on. I was like, ooh. And man, was I sorry after that. Uh, it- isn't yeah. it funny that everyone I talked to, including my grandparents too, they always had cable. It's like the yeah. <laughs> kids never yeah. had, but the grandparents did. Maybe it was yeah, just a like, pre. Yeah, I guess it was a prerequisite to be the cool grandparent. You had to have cable. You know, I don't know, but um, yeah. So with with I think we had just got cable not very long before, and it was on. And you know, of course, my dad he he wanted to watch it, so I watched it with my family basically, and mm-hmm. we laughed our asses off, and you know. Yeah, that was the first time uh, I'd seen Vacation. So I never saw it in the theater. I'm sorry. Okay. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I think for grandparents, it was a coup to get the, the grandkids to come over. How, how about you, Bill? Was it a video rental or was it TV? It was a rental, and uh, my, neither one of my grandparents had cable either. The only people that had cable in my family were my aunt uncle, aunt okay. and uncle and my Aunt Melanie for uh, Christmas every year. I would get a VHS tape with MTV videos on it. Right. I still got those down in the basement somewhere. I do have an old VCR that I could hook up, but I could watch like, uh, you know, California girls by David Lee Roth. And here I go again by white snake and mm-hmm. all that stuff that she got me. I think I got smooth criminal from Michael <laughs> Jack was on there and some Peter Gabriel, like sledgehammer. And yeah, I had all those videos. So it was a really big deal for me. I, I, like I said, I was 16 for I got cable. So yeah, this movie, though, my dad absolutely loved this movie. So I was seven when it came out. I probably saw it pretty quickly. I mean, as soon as it came out, they might have gone to the show to see it, my mom and dad. And when it came out, dad got it. And he, mm-hmm. would, you know, dub tapes, you know. So he, he, he rented it and copied it. And we had it. And we would watch it periodically. And my dad would just sit there. With tears and he would laugh so hard. One of his favorite parts is the part with sandwiches in the park with the dog <laughs> on him. And I mean, he would just be in tears. And then anytime Clark would grow, blow up and start cussing, you know, and and uh, and when he punched Marty Moose in the nose, I oh mean, yeah, 
dad just, <laughs> I mean, would lose his shit. And that's that's my earliest memories of that movie. And I so I think of those times when I watch it. So it, it I, I absolutely love it. And then as much as I love this one, I mean, Christmas Vacation, I think, is even better. We mm-hmm. laughed harder at that. But, I mean, I you can't go wrong with this movie. And I have a soft spot for Clark Griswold because... I mean, I don't think I'm quite as crazy as him, but I got a lot of Clark Griswold in it. I get something in my head. I mean, Mike can attest. He just went on vacation with me. I mean, I got everything planned out. This is how it's going to go. And when something deviates, I'm starting to throw a fit. I mean, so so Mike's the one that that uses like the little uh, Pac-Man to to screw up your your little plan on the on the little <laughs> yeah, no. yeah but yes that would have pissed me off yes yeah i'm watching that and i'm like i'd slap i'd slap rusty in the head <laughs> yeah I, I mean when clark's getting mad about that that's that's me i mean i we had an itinerary for our vacation that i had i made up an outline and then a guy at work we made a whole itinerary up with qr codes and everything i mean we were we were legit ready for this vacation and i was i was like a drill sergeant getting them up and and uh and moving them out. My dad was calling me Patton on the phone because you know we were going to the World War II museum. Uh, you know, so. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on vacation with Bill. That's a, that's the kind of regimen I like. So, <laughs> we, yeah. so uh, it, yeah. it's not as bad as it sounds, though. No. I mean, it's not like he's like fucking. Because I think all of us would be like, "Hey, fuck off, dude." You know? Yeah, but right. I would punch Marty Moose in the nose just like Clark did. Oh, I yeah. don't think I'd yeah. go get a gun and be and be taking people hostage but i would have punched that fucking moose well, right in the nose for sure i think where i'm like <laughs> I, I think where i'm like clark griswold is when he has his um uh what are they his meltdown you would call a meltdown yeah you yeah, know in the car. Uh, that's yeah that that's definitely me like when i've had enough you know i fucking kind of flip out and it's a quest you know. it's a quest yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. I could so see me doing that. Like, especially but, when they're all wanting to bail on. He goes, well, you know what I think? I think you're all fucked in the head. head. That yeah. is totally me. That is me dead out, man. Yeah, I, I just I just feel like, you know, I, I've always been like that. Like, I have a certain way that I want things to go. I'm, I'm so excited. And I got this all planned out. And when th- something deviates, I remember my, my ex-girlfriend Amanda and I were going someplace one time. And I was talking about this great restaurant that we were going to go to. And, and we get there, and the restaurant was closed. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it had closed. I was pissed off. She goes, we can go down here, and I don't even want to eat now. I said, yep. I was so mad. And she took me to some other restaurant, and food ended up being good. But at first, I was like, this is going to suck. <laughs> you know, I was just being a dick because, you know, what I, because what I had been so excited about planned out in my mind changed. You know, we had that on our trip. We were supposed to go out and see the alligators, and uh, you know, um, we we were going out though to see alligators in the swamp. And I had signed up for it, and I thought we were going to get on an airboat. Mm-hmm. And I I guess I clicked the wrong thing, and we ended up on a pontoon boat. Oh, and I'm sure people were looking at me like, "What a dickhead!" Because we got on there, and I'm like, "What is this?" <laughs> I'm looking at the airboat, and I'm like, "This is going to suck!" Like all these people are sitting around the pontoon boat's full, and I'm like, "This is going to suck!" Look how cool that is, and I'm pointing at the airboat. And I'm he was cutting out on man. the boat. And, but we and were I'm all sitting- bummed out. I'm like, I'm sitting there because at first, man, because when you get on the pontoon, there's like this uh, to get on, you know, there's this entryway and the front seats. I didn't see them because, for lack of a better word, a door and it goes down, right? So, mm-hmm. in order to go down, nobody can be sitting in the front seats. So, at first, I'm like, well, this is fucking boring. You know, you got this guy yammering and, and he was nice enough, but he had that, you know, 
Louisiana draw and you're talking like this, you know, and I'm going, man, you know, this isn't what we fucking signed up for. So even we were all kind of like, fuck. And then, like, when he said, hey, you can get up and move around, we noticed the front seats were open and we made a beeline for him. Boom. And then after that, it was cool because we could actually, like, see what was going on. Sure. He had he had CCR and Fats Domino cranking on stereo. <laughs> so it was like, all right, all right, I can handle this. And But and it he, took me a minute. I was really yeah, mad. I, yeah. I thought, I mean, I I must have clicked the wrong thing because I wanted to be on an airboat. But, mm. you know, I, I so I was... I was throwing a little Clark Griswold fit. I I do that. So let's cover Chevy Chase a little bit. Uh, was this the first Chevy Chase film you guys saw? And if not, what was the first Chevy Chase uh, film that you saw? And I'll start with Mike. Well, honestly, believe it or not, I had really cool parents. So my earliest memories of Chevy Chase is Saturday Night Live. Okay, there you, you go. Know, parents would let us stay up and watch them. Uh, my dad, especially my mom, would sometimes go, "Why are you letting them watch that stuff?" You know, um, and so I wrote. I, I remember Chevy. You know, uh, my main, earliest memory is him being kind of klutzy, falling yeah. around, and you know, and, and and all that stuff. You know, and of course the whole "I'm Chevy Chase and you're not." And my dad right. would always go, "Man, fuck you," because <laughs> my dad knew exactly what he was trying to say. You know, sure. Uh, uh, with that, so um, uh, after that, I think. The first movie I saw him with was with Goldie Hawn. Um, is that Foul Play? Oh, yeah. yeah. Foul yep. Play, where they had the killer who was albino. And it was the first time yep. I'd ever seen an albino, man. And I remember it kind of freaking me out. And my, my, my mom was like, well, there's actually people that do look like that. So please don't embarrass me by, you know, freaking out on albinos if you ever run into one. I just remember that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So so but uh, that was my first, you know, memory okay. of, of Chevy Chase as far as a movie. And then, of course, I I remember seems like old times. I remember Caddyshack. Sure. Caddyshack saw that at cable at my grandma's house. There you uh, go. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my fr- earliest memories. Yeah. Perfect. How about you, Bill? This was the first time I'd ever seen him. And I absolutely he became a staple of my life after that. I was only seven years old. Yeah. Like I said, when this movie came out. So, I mean, after that, you know, we were watching. Uh, Fletch and and um, oh, spies what, like us. Uh, yeah, we watched Spies Like Us. I remember that was a rental one one uh, Friday night. Oh, what was the one where he ended up on the farm, the Funny Farm? Funny Farm. Yep, we had that one, and that's uh, an underrated movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'd watch, you know, we watched Chevy Chase pretty regularly, um, you know. So he was a big part of my my childhood. Now, one of the things that this the film series did was change the kids uh kind of in a funny way i I never liked that they did that i always thought the originals with anthony michael hall and i'm forgetting her name now but the the original audrey i I wish they had just kept them and had them grow older but i get why they did it um so how did did you guys feel about that how they kept changing the kids to basically be the same age in you know in every film Um, and that was one of the reasons why i was disappointed with european vacation at the time i feel like it's Probably, I mean, unless you count Vegas Vacation, which is all right, you know, it didn't really do anything for me. But out of the original trilogy films, European is by far the weakest. I mean, it's got its moments, it's got its moments, but yep. it's not near as funny as as Vacation and, and Christmas Vacation. It's hilarious. So by the time Christmas Vacation rolled around, I was like, ah, eh, okay, whatever. You know, obviously they like to recast the kids or whatever. I, in fact, there was a commercial a few years ago with Beverly D'Angelo and, and Chevy Chase where they had all the the people who played the kids 
and they're like having Christmas and they're wearing these Christmas sweaters. And I don't know. I can't remember what the commercial was for. I think it was Old Navy. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it was Old Navy. Yeah. And it that was pretty funny because you had like Julia Lewis and Johnny Kalecki and all them guys. And then you had Matthew Michael Hall and I forget the girl's name. Old Navy is helping you warm up all the way with sweaters for the whole family. <laughs> hey, kids, how you liking those sweaters, Audrey? Love the stripes. Russ? Awesome, Dad. Audrey? Super cute. You're all rusty? Rad, Dad. And you two, who are you? New Audrey and Rusty. It's bedtime. Sweaters for the whole family. Adults from 15 bucks, kids from 10. Old Navy, come fun, come on. How about you, Bill? What, what did you uh, did? Did you like that they did that, or you wish they had, you know stayed the same? I think at first it was kind of annoying, but then it ended up being kind of a, a funny part of the whole franchise, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it came to European Vacation, well, sure. I, I mean, I knew who Anthony Michael Hall was, so I wanted to see him back as Rusty, and I I thought he was awesome as Rusty. Yeah. But by the time Christmas Vacation rode, rolled around, and then Vegas Vacation, it become kind of part of the stick. And, uh, you know, it was funny that the kids never got any older. They were no. always right around the same age. Yeah. It, 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 like I said, it didn't bother me in the long run. I wasn't a big fan of European vacation either. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just and I'll tell you why. I think I'll tell you why it's the weakest. one. There's one factor in that movie. No cousin Eddie. That's what I was about to say. Yep. You, you, you subtract cousin Eddie out. He's. He's the thing that puts those movies over the top for sure. Totally. And uh, yeah, I think actually Vegas vacation is better than European vacation. And I know it's sacrilegious. Some, I, I still enjoy uh, European just cause I was a kid, but uh, I think as a movie, I, I think Vegas is a little bit better. No. And, and I'm glad you brought up cousin Eddie who better to play. I mean, that role is oh, Randy Quaid. Yeah. He was born to play that part, man. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah. fucking great. I mean, and like you said, that's one of the things where, you know, when they did Christmas Vacation, they made sure to and not only bring him back, but give him a much bigger part. Yeah. And and I think that's one of the things that makes, I don't know, man, Christmas Vacation to me is just a perfect movie. Vacation as well. But I, I actually like Christmas Vacation more than Vacation. Well, I was I was going to bring up, like, if you could rank the film. So you would go, Mike would go Christmas Vacation, Vacation. And then what would you pick three and four? Probably Vegas would be three and European would be four, man. I, okay. European just didn't do uh, it. It's not a very memorable film. There's a few scenes I remember. Mm-hmm. But overall, it was like, eh, this, Big ben. this is not that good, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, of course, there was uh, the scene that and, and boy, does that blow up in Clark's. Uh, face where he videotapes his wife, you know. Right. <laughs> Later, <laughs> you see yeah. it in the European porn market. That was kind of yeah. funny. Yeah, but yeah, I would I would rank them that way. Oink oink, my good man. So let's, uh, Bill. How would you rank them? Same exact way. Yeah. Yep. Christmas vacation, vacation, uh, Vegas, and then European. Yep, for sure. Uh, me, I still got to give the nod to the original, but other than that, yes, that's uh, that's how I would rank them too. Um, Okay, Bill kind of mentioned some of his. Um, Mike, tell me your favorite scenes, and, and then Bill can also tell me additional favorite scenes in oh, the original vacation. Yeah, man, there's there's so many of there them. There are, but uh, <laughs> well, Eugene Levy selling him the car and how the car is just you know, and I love Eugene Levy, man. He, yeah, he you was think great. you're gonna hate it now, but wait yeah, till you right. <laughs> right, and then um, 
you know, really just the whole movie from beginning to end. But there's so many great parts. Like one of my favorite parts is when they go to Dodge City <laughs> and he's messing with the guy from the bar and he shoots the shotgun. And, and then you're going to get the kids death. What? What? <laughs> That's funny. The part where they're asking for direction in East St. Louis. <laughs> Pardon me, sir. Can you give me directions? Man, fuck your mama. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's very- fucking hilarious. By the way, have you ever seen the TV edit? Because it's almost as funny. Ah, I don't think I have. No. What is it? So he asked him the same question. The guy goes, who do I look like? Christopher Columbo? (laughs) 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 It's great. It's great. That's a good line, man. What kind of, of, look, I work with a lot of people from East St. Louis at at my job. I I train a lot of people from East St. Louis. I don't think I've met anybody from East St. Louis that would ever say that. They would say the first thing, <laughs> right? But on, on television, you gotta, you gotta, you know, <laughs> adapt right. at the time. Um, yeah, go, go ahead, Bill. What are some of the other favorite scenes? Well, I'll just start right here because this, this is one that that uh, we we used at my office. I'll explain later. I'm just gonna read it. Oh God, ease our suffering in this our moment of great despair. Mm-hmm. Yes, admit this good and decent woman into thine arms and the flock in thine heavenly area up there. And Moab, he laid it down by the band of the Canaanites. And yeah, though the Hindus speak of karma, I implore you, give her, give her a break. (laughs) (laughs) We used that on the wall. My old sports editor, when I started writing at the newspaper here in Edwardsville, Illinois, uh, my sports editor had that printed out in big (laughs) letters. He would hang it on the wall there in the newsroom and one of the things you would do you know you're in a newsroom so it gets it's quiet people aren't talking really because they're in the you know throes of writing trying to be creative so they're kind of all stuck in their own mind and billy and i just out of the blue would just read that out loud (laughs) and the whole newsroom would just erupt laughing i mean that that sat on the wall like it, it, it well the place is gone now it moved into a different office so I, I hope they took that with them. I doubt it, but yeah, I, I always loved that. So that That's was hilarious. one of my. By well, the way, think- by the way, what would you guys do with? I, I've got to go off on a tangent. What would you do if 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 it, you're on a trip and your aunt Edna or a friend died? Would you keep going or would you put her on the hood of the car? No, I would <laughs> stop. I'm not. I like I said. I, I look. I don't want people to think that I'm as crazy as Clark Griswold. <laughs> I have Clark Griswold tendencies, but no, I'm not gonna tie my my uh, wife's dead aunt to the roof of my station wagon and drive her around through the rain and put her on a back porch. No, that would end the vacation. Um, I wish you didn't uh, tire to, uh, you know, the bumper. So, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I, like the same thing. I'm not going to go to a, a sporting goods store and buy a uh, BB gun BB which gun. <laughs> and then try and sell it as a real gun and, and, and kidnapped. Oh, come on, Bill. Why not? Dude? Why yeah. Not? No, I mean, look, at that point, they were at the point of no return. Now, see, I do kind of relate to that a little bit. I mean, Again, yeah, maybe it's the meltdown thing, but, and really, those are my favorite moments when Clark has his meltdowns. And, yeah. Here's and the other quote. You know? This would, this would definitely be me, though. So I think you're all fucked in the head. Right. Right. <laughs> we're 10 hours from the fucking, fucking fun park. park and you want to bail out? out? <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. This is no longer a vacation, it's a quest. It's a quest for fun. You're going to have fun, and I'm going to have fun. We're all going to have so much fucking fun, we're going to need plastic surgery to remove our goddamn smiles. You'll be whistling zippity-doo-dah out of your assholes. (laughs) I must be crazy. 
I'm on a pilgrimage to see a moose. Praise, Praise Marty, Marty Moose. Moose. Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? <laughs> Don't touch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's it. He says, yeah, he says Tylenol on Christmas. Yeah. Like, and that Rusty one, he's like, man, you need Tylenol? Don't touch. <laughs> No, Rusty I, says, did you want an aspirin? Yeah. Did you want an aspirin? And he said, don't touch. Yeah. I think, I, I don't know if he did that in one take. I don't know how many takes he took, but that might be Chevy Chase's greatest performance in any movie. That just, it's, that rant, you know? Oh, my God. Uh, between that one and, and, and Christmas Vacation, we're going to have yeah. the ha- ha- happiest Christmas since, since Danny uh, fucking K. Crosby yeah. tap dance with Danny, Danny fucking K. K. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh, they're great. My dad would get so excited for a Clark Griswold meltdown. I mean, he yep. just loved it. But yes, those those lines, all the stuff with you know with uh, cousin Eddie when they visit. Yeah. Oh you know, yeah! Oh my God! I mean, and then um, you know Aunt Edna, what a what an old bitch she was. Oh, Imogen Coca, yeah. And the dog just always like biting his leg <laughs> and attacking him. Dinky. Was, Oh, it's great. And of course, um, you know, Christy Brinkley, that's the first sure. time I saw her. And she was like my childhood crush after that. I mean, Absolutely. seven years old, you see her. What a what a perfect woman. And what a what a still what a beautiful woman today. You know, Oh, I mean, and what a perfect scene. She was the perfect person to pay that role. I mean, she is uh, you think of the 80s, early 80s, like she was the cover model. But I got to bring up Beverly D'Angelo because I think she's the perfect comic sidekick for uh, Chevy Chase. She, she works oh, off him yeah. perfectly. Yeah, and ahead, beautiful Mike. too. And beautiful, beautiful too. too. Yeah, and a great voice. She was a singer. Yeah. So. Right. Again, but one of the parts that my mom always loved is when the SWAT team comes in on him. <laughs> yeah. And she shakes. She shakes. Uh, Roy Wally. I, Roy, or, or no, this was in in the SWAT team when the SWAT team comes in on a Christmas vacation. Oh, and Christmas she vacation. shakes. Okay. I think she shakes uh, Clark's boss's wife's hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, welcome to our home. What's left of it? And she puts, she puts her hand right back on Chevy Chase's crotch, man. And my mom just used to die laughing mm-hmm. every time she'd see that part, man, because it was just like again her improv. And apparently she improv that. Um, <laughs> you know. Well, uh, I just realized yeah. that you know Bill. Bill mentioned all the best movies are with Cousin Eddie. I think the two best movies are with SWAT teams because the SWAT team showed up to the first one too. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, and uh, it, it's just fucking hilarious, man. I, I know we're talking about vacation, but the the uh, Christmas vacation when when they're telling him why they kidnapped him, and the black cop goes, "If I had a rubber hose, Mister, I would beat you." <laughs> oh, I die laughing every time. Well, I can't wait till we get to Christmas vacation, which we will get to eventually. Right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, so. Final thoughts. I mean, obviously, this is a classic. Interestingly enough, you guys actually um, put Christmas over um, the original, so I, I find that not by a lot. I mean, it, you know what I'm saying? It's one of those things. But what's really also interesting about the film is how many people that were in the cast that just went on to other things. I mean, John Candy. And yeah, Dana, Dana Barron was uh, the original. Audrey, there you go. And, yep. uh, but you got Anthony Michael Hall, man. Um, John you Candy. Have, uh, yeah, John Candy, Jane Krakowski is is yes. Eddie's daughter. <laughs> worth the whole talking about friend, you know, everybody, friend, you know, no big deal. A lot of people, yeah, but Daddy says I'm the best. <laughs> I'm like, oh. she also introduces she also introduces her to to marijuana. You're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, for, for sure. Um, and of course, uh, one of my other favorite parts, even though it's completely sick humor, is. Uh, 
when Clark ties the uh, oh, Danny, yeah, the old lady's dog, who's yeah, ties him to the bumper and forgets about him. And then you got James Keach putting in a cameo yeah. as the cop pulls him over. And oh my god, it's it's sick humor. It's totally sick, but you can't help but laugh, man. Oh. and I thought James Keach. That's another. Everybody who did the cameos were great too. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, it was and John Candy. God love him, man. I miss that guy so much. He was so funny. Well, the other great that that line is so deliberate. Like when when you think everything's over and he comes back to the car and he's like, "I'm gonna go scrape up the carcass from the road." <laughs> that's like, <laughs> my, my dad, my dad would crack up from that. Like I'm like, uh, but my dad did too. Yeah, yeah. As I was doing research for this, like they wanted um, Harold Ramis. We mentioned Harold Ramis was the director on this. Um, he wanted to. It was going to be more graphic. The way it was written, you were actually going to see a blood trail uh, behind. Oh. Yeah, oh. and they, they're like, you know, we don't need to do it. I think just the thinking of what happened is enough. Just seeing the leash, and I think they're right. I think you can go too far, but you know, that's uh, they made. I think they made a good choice to just the the thought of it, even though it was morbid, but it's still funny. <laughs> that's that's the brilliance of this movie. Right, right, yeah. You know, uh, another thing that I I think about when I watch this sometimes too is the the people that are in it, you have three brother actors in this movie who are like the lesser of the, of the brothers, you know, you have, Oh, you true. Have Dennis's brother. You have Bill Murray's brothers in it. Brian Doyle. And, yep. Yeah. And then you have uh Stacy Keach's brother, all three in this movie too, that I, I've just always thought that was kind of interesting how they used the, the little lesser known, more character actor brothers in the movie, you know? To- totally. Yeah. Cause it, Brian Doyle Murray, isn't he, the, um, he's the uh, when they go to the oh is it Colorado and they're staying in a tent yes like yes <laughs> yeah. yeah so we send out a mailer yeah <laughs> and, and Brian Brian Doyle Murray ends up being his boss in uh, in Christmas Vacation too yeah, yeah exactly and right, of course yeah. he was the uh, Caddyshack he was the right. the yeah uh, the main guy in that one too yeah very yeah. good character actor well yeah. thank you guys for doing this I will you're definitely gonna be on again when we we do the other vacation and obviously oh, you're going to yeah. be on for other movies so thank you guys both for doing this hey, no, no problem, problem dude. Happy to and Take care. check out the Metal Mike show with Bill every Friday starting at 8pm Eastern time on thatmetalstation.com if you are ever in the San Francisco Bay Area and still love collecting or renting DVDs or VHS tapes come check out Captain Video and Sam Mateo at 2837 South El Camino Real Captain Video is open 6 days a week and closed on Wednesday, and one of the last traditional video stores still running in the United States. New movies you can rent for $2.99 a day. Old movies you can rent for $2.99 for five days. And if renting isn't your thing, you can also purchase anything you find in the store. Be sure to tell Ira that you heard about Captain Video from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. Happy renting and happy collecting at Captain Video. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.